thank you for joining Holy Spirit Living, the podcast that encourages and equips believers to live each moment intentionally to bring glory to God and build His kingdom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to part two of our Sonship Talk today. Hey, it's nice to have you aboard with us and listening to us today. I'm excited. I am too. Last we left off, we were just talking about living an undefended life and how a lot of times, even when we get into a situation where somebody offends us, when we choose to give them grace, that we receive healing through the process. Even some of our past hurts, we receive healing from when we learn to walk in our identity in Christ. So today... I kind of wanted to start talking about how we're called to rule. I want to go back to that, about how we're called to rule as sons and daughters. And one thing that came to mind for me was just how creation is waiting eagerly for us to walk in sonship. Yes. In Romans chapter 8, verse 19, it says, For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against us will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. How true is that? Right now, the world is in so much turmoil, and we see that happening. It's been since the fall of mankind, but we see it even in the present time. And in verse 23, it says, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. And we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. I think that's important to remember that God has given us our inheritance, but there's part of that we're still waiting to come to fruition. And that is our glorious new bodies, just like the earth is waiting to be made new. There will be a new heaven and a new earth that will be created in the end time. And it's taken their position as Christians, right? I mean, once we accepted Christ and we were seated with him in heavenly places, if we as Christians realize the reign of Christ, what he has, and take our positions of what he's given us, we could help change and transform the moaning and the groaning that's out there. You know, if you think about it, if us believers would step up in the position and get our identity, man, we could be such a shade and a peace and a comfort to the people that are hurting around us. That's so true. And it's amazing how it says here in verse 24, we were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. What Paul's talking about here is waiting patiently and confidently on the renewal of the body, a new body physically that we will have. But in the meantime, he goes on to say, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. So while we're in this weakened body right now, that we're going through sin in this world and we're dealing with that, he says, for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that words can't be expressed. And the Father who knows all hearts knows 
what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So God has given us these things. Some things we still are waiting to come. You know, like the second coming of Christ. We're still waiting for that to happen. But that doesn't mean that God hasn't already given us his glory, his authority, and the commissioning to rule. Yes. And we have that right now. And the earth so desperately is crying out for us to take our place, to rule so that it can be restored. Now, there's not going to be a full restoration of the physical earth until the second coming happens. Yeah. But in the meantime, we're called to rule and reign. Yes. And to think the revelation that we're heirs of what the king has for us, that everything that he has, we have. We have to go and get it. If you think of people that make money, they went and got it. Yeah, there's some that maybe got it handed to them sometime. I used to go at Christmas time to my grandparents, and my grandpa would be the one that gives out the gifts, and he would look at the name and be like, I'm not sure. And you knew that the gift was yours because you already seen it. But he would be holding it, and you'd be anxious as a kid, like, that's my gift. And finally, you would, Grandpa, just give my give my gift. Or Dad, my dad would do it, give me my gift. And then you would open it up. Sometimes the gift is there, but we just got to go and get it. Right. We have to take that initiative to step forward and take hold of it. Yes. But if I would have waited there, my dad would have eventually give it to me, probably. Yes, he would have released it to you. Yeah. But at the same time, that boldness to step forward and pull that to yourself. I got it quicker. Think about that. It's all ours. And what is it going to be like when we get to heaven? It's like, okay, I didn't go and grab my present, but I didn't get it as quick as I should have got it. Right. That happens with our transformation. Eventually, we get to a place of transformed living, some of us sooner than others. If we want to get there sooner, we have to be very intentional about it, mm. and we have to take hold of it. Yeah. God's called us to rule. He's called us to take dominion over the earth. That was our original commission. You know, in the garden, he told Adam to rule over the earth and the, yeah. and the creatures and everything. And we've fallen back from that. So now we come to Christ, and I talked about this before, and we just think, okay, now it's just waiting to get to heaven, but it's so much more than that. It's about beginning to fulfill that commissioning upon our lives. The great commission that Jesus then said to go out and share the gospel message, to lay hands on the sick, to to cast out demons, to do those things that he did while he was physically on this earth, and he calls us to that commission. So we're still called to not only rule over the earth, he's given us that authority back, so now we're rulers over this earth, but we also are to go out and walk in his power and in his authority as sons and daughters so that we can begin to transform in certain areas and certain places that we have influence over. Yeah. That's another good point because we are called to rule. 
we're called to take dominion, but each one of us has a special calling on our life or anointing. Yes. Like for you, you're a pastor, mm-hmm. you're an apostle, yeah, and you even have a gift of evangelism as well. Yes. Think about what it is that your calling is specifically on your life. What is it that God has given you to steward? Yes. Maybe for some, it's being a teacher. Maybe for some, it's a businessman. Maybe mm-hmm. God's given you the uh, calling and anointing on your life to be an entrepreneur or a businessman. What are you doing to rule and take dominion over the earth in that particular place of influence? Right. You know, wherever you set your feet, you have authority over that. Are you taking that? You can wait and just battle this back and forth with your own flesh and yielding to Holy Spirit. Or you can say, I'm going to submit everything, my thoughts, my own will, everything. I'm going to yield to the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to let Him transform me. It's so much quicker of a process when we can do that. That's like the going up and getting the Christmas gift. Right. Yeah, your son and daughter, you you know, that's my dad, and I know he's got my gift for me. I'm going to go get it. And if you think about the orphan mentality, you don't heed the moment, right? Right. You don't know that gift is for you. You see him holding it, but you don't realize it's your gift. When we walk in that orphan mindset or that place of not realizing that we're sons and daughters, that we're adopted, we usually sit back and wait for something to be given to us when it's already been given to us. Our name has already been written on the gift tag. It's ours, and we can take hold of that. Yeah, if you think about adoption, and if you have a family, you love your children, but then you brought this kid in that really didn't have anything and is broken and as you adopted that child, you pour so much into that child. And I think about that with the family of God. He's adopting us into his family. And guess what he's pouring in, trying to rebuild, reestablish. He's making us new. I mean, obviously, he made us new at the cross. He restored us to that original image, one of righteousness. But yet, are we yielding to where it matches up? You know, there's a story that comes to mind. It was a testimony of a woman that had asked the Lord to heal her. She had a tumor, a growth on her neck. And the Lord revealed to her, and she felt in her body a tangible healing taking place. But that tumor was still there on her neck. And she walked around like that for a while, but she would continue to give testimony about how God healed her. And people would look at her strange because they still seen this tumor on her neck. And this went on for several years. And finally, she says to the Lord, Father, I know that you've healed me, but I want other people to be able to see it because they don't believe it because of this growth still here on my neck. So I'm asking you to remove that. And the growth went away. But I feel like that's a good view. We've already been made new at the cross, but yet we're still walking around with this growth that we have to rid and just acknowledge that that's gone and we're new. We don't have to keep walking around with that. Right. And that's an orphan mindset. And I think that what happens with that type of mindset is they don't see the kingdom. All they see is what's here and now. You're so right. They're stuck in this world and not realizing the promised land that's available to them. And even right now, 
the kingdom is available right now. You just got to grab it. Finances are available right now. You just got to grab it. Health is available right now. You just got to grab it. If you want to have a good, healthy body, guess what? You're going to have to get up at 5 in the morning and work out. You're going to have to watch what you eat. It's available to you. Or you could be an orphan. It's just how much you want it. And as believers, the kingdom's available, but how much do we want it? Is all our focus on what we can do here for ourselves, or can we bring the kingdom to earth for God? Yes, you're so right. I know we're on sonship and thinking about a daddy, and this morning I had some reading. In First Samuel, I was reading, and just this one little block of Scripture, 1745, It says, then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. I'm bringing the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. And just that little bit, I know, I know we know that he took him down with a stone. And sometimes I think our focus is that David took him down with a stone. But man, the focus is, I got a daddy, the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. That's my Abba daddy. David went into that battle, not even with the armor on, not with no bazooka, no javelin, no spear, no sword. He actually went in with the Lord. And as a child, I think I was third or fourth grade, I used to get out of school. I'm walking, and there was these two kids that every day... They would pick on me. They would take my book bag. They would take my lunchbox. They would try to grab me for my money. You know, I didn't really have a lot of money in fourth grade, but I might have had a dollar, dollar fifty or something like that. But they were every day taunting me. And one day they did it and I was running from them and I ran out of my shoes and stepped on a piece of glass. Well, I get, I get to the Elks. That's where my grandma and them guys was at. And, and my uncle was there and they were cleaning my foot up from that cut. I'm bleeding all over the place. And my uncle's like, why'd you run? What happened? And I explained to him. So the next day, he's at my school, and he says, I want you to go in front of me, and I'm going to be behind you. And I knew that he's going to show these two kids, man. I, I just knew. So I walked with boldness and confidence, like, all right, where's the kids at? Jump out. And they did. They ended up jumping out from behind this dumpster. And sure enough, my uncle came up on them. He's poking them in their chest like a smoking a band. He's disciplining them and telling them, don't you ever do this again to my nephew or And it scared those kids so much that I never had another problem. And I relate that story of David. He says, I'm going with you, Lord. Yeah, my uncle wasn't Lord or God or anything like that. But to me as a child, I walked into that. I knew I was going to run into these two, but I knew who had me. I knew that my uncle was going to, sometimes it's your dad or whatever. These kids are picking on me and I'm bringing my dad with me. Yeah, he was the protector in that situation against your enemies. Yeah. Yeah. And if we could see God like that and know that every situation we go into, we could walk in with confidence. And that's what I did. Every other day when I was walking that route home, I was scared. Like, where are they going to jump out? What's going to happen? You know, they're going to they're gonna be picking them. I was walking as an orphan like I'd had nothing but myself. And then the day that my uncle said, I'm going with you. Okay, now I got somebody. I got the Lord of hosts. I got the, the God of armies of Israel that they've, when they're taunting me, they were taunting my uncle's family. Now that I came into Christ and they're taunting me, guess what? They're taunting God. So whatever I'm scared of, I shouldn't be scared. I should be able to walk into every situation as a son or a daughter of the one true King of Kings. When we're walking in the kingdom, when we're walking in authority as sons and daughters, we have all of heaven walking behind us. Yes, You had your uncle walking behind you, but now thinking about like all of heaven, an army of angels 
all the power of God that's even greater and beyond anything we could ever imagine. And that is what David stepped into that field that day with. He knew, just like you said, he knew that the Lord was so much more powerful than anything that he faced, that even though knowing that he's surrounded by an army of Philistines, he knows he's surrounded by this giant that is yielding a sword at him. But he knows how powerful God is, and he walks out with what he has, with what God's given him to work with, and he uses that, and the power of God comes upon that and just destroys anything in the path. And that's a good symbolism of we walk with what God has given us, what he's equipped us with, what he's anointed us to do, and with his power, his anointing upon that We can take down anything that we face with God for us. Who can be against us? Right. I think we're afraid sometimes to take authority as sons. We walk around in an almost false humility, a false meekness of, I'm going to be quiet, I'm going to be submissive, and it's not what truly that means. Being meek doesn't mean that we're not taking authority Being humble doesn't mean that we're not taking authority. There's a difference between confidence and arrogance. Arrogance is a counterfeit of confidence. When David stepped out that day, he stepped out with confidence. Yes. And identity, knowing who he was, but more importantly, knowing who his father is. Yes. He knew the God that he served was the God and creator of all creation and that he was going to fulfill his anointing, his call upon his life in that moment. And he knew he had his back. Yes. And that's such a great story that you shared about knowing that your uncle's behind you, knowing that when this enemy jumps out at you, that you didn't have to be scared that day, that you could walk knowing that it was going to be taken care of. That's trusting. That's having faith in God. Absolutely. And that's a part of sonship. That's a part of our authority and walking in that. It's the confidence that God has us covered. You mentioned about how David went out without any physical armor on him, but he was covered in and surrounded in God and his presence. Yeah. In Psalms 96, David writes, and I think about this, I think if we did like he's writing here, think about this as as a representation of who we are in Christ. David says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the people. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Let me stop right there. Just tell his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. And we could do it with our mouth, but our actions are bigger than words, right? Preach the gospel. And at times that you need, what's he say? Do it with words. Yeah. St. Francis of Assisi, Assisi, and he says, share the gospel and when necessary, use words. Yes. Tell the glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all the peoples. How are you going to tell them? By your actions. But if you're not showing it, what justice are you doing for the Lord, really? If you're going to claim that you're a son of God or a daughter of God, your actions should represent that. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, little g gods, 
For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all it contains. Let the field exult and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. He's coming, and he's our daddy. There's so much in there that David's like, proclaim this, proclaim this, proclaim this. And when we proclaim it, it don't always have to be coming out of our mouths, but it could be the way we live. It needs to be the actions that we live. Right. One thing that came to mind when you were just saying that is that faith without works is dead. If we proclaim that we are sons and daughters, our life will demonstrate that. He says that they will know that we're his children by our love, right? Right. And love is an action. Whatever we say we believe in, there's an action that shows that, that demonstrates it. That it's not just talk, but we literally are taking action. We're taking hold. We're going and getting that gift. We're taking hold of what's already been given to us, what's set aside for us. In Luke 10, 19, he says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He calls us to take authority, to take authority not even over just the things that come against us, We're on the battlefield, and we might face challenges. We might face Goliaths. We might face circumstances that are difficult, but we can defeat them with him because he's already taken care of it. He says in Matthew 9, 6, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. This is what Jesus demonstrated. And then he turns and says to us that he's given us all that authority. He even says that we're going to do greater works than what he's done while he was physically walking this earth because he was going to the Father. When we know that's the commissioning that he placed on our life, that's the authority, that's the power that he's laid down for us, there's this gift sitting under a tree, and that tree is called the cross. Yes. And a lot of times we get there, we see this gift, and we maybe even see our name signed on the gift tag, but we leave it sitting there when we should be picking it up and opening it up and putting it on and wearing it and walking it and demonstrating it to the world so they can see Christ in us. We can demonstrate so much the love and power and authority of God in everyday living, in our coming and our going When we're in the store shopping and we see somebody in need, we see somebody in pain, how many of us walk past and just overlook that? How many of us are quick to walk in and actually demonstrate the love of God? Ministry isn't just inside the walls of the church. It's out there in the world. He told us to take dominion. 
He give us back the authority that we gave away. He took it back and gave it back to us. And the earth is groaning for us to rise up and do it. We are the sons and daughters of Christ. And as sons and heirs to everything in the kingdom, we're going to walk in this power. We're going to walk in this authority. And we're going to demonstrate Christ to the world. And in doing that, we're going to glorify God. We're going to be guided by the Spirit because we are sons of the Most High God. Amen. You know, you were sitting there saying that on the tree at Christmas time for us, there was a lot of gifts that was under the tree, but there was always a card that was on the tree, and that card had money there or savings bonds, but you always knew that the real gift was on the tree. All the gifts that we have available to us, the best gift that we have was on the tree. That's a great symbolism. Yeah, it's the gift of His presence. The gift of salvation, the gift of knowing that we have eternity with him. And eternity doesn't start when we cross over out of this earthly body. It started the moment that we stood at the cross and said, Father, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Yes, That was the moment that eternity began for each one of our lives. See, we only have a short period of time here in the land of the living to do something to glorify God that we'll never be able to do in heaven. Because once we get to heaven, there's no need to lay hands on the sick and see them restored. There's no need to even preach the gospel. Right. There's no need to do a lot of the things that Jesus called us to do. Because when we're in heaven, all of that's going to fade away. It's needed here. It's needed now for this broken world to be restored. And the earth is calling out to the sons and daughters to rise up, take authority. The gift is sitting there at the tree. Are you going to take it? That's a good place to wrap up on sonship. Rise up, sons and daughters, and take your place in the earth. Amen. We love you. God loves you. And there's nothing you could do about it. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast channel, and like us on all of our social media pages at Holy Spirit Living. We encourage you to look for the gold in others today. Be blessed, but better yet, be a blessing.